So this morning, the message that I'm going to be preaching is quite possibly the most important message that I'm gonna speak into our church for this entire year. So you're gonna be glad that you're here. And, and it comes from the basis of, of the fact that as the senior leader here at Elevate Church, uh, some of our team members regularly ask me, what's God saying to you, Mark, for us? And, and by the way, um, I, I'm confident God speaks to all of us. And by the way, I really hope that we all ask Him to speak to us and listen when He does. Uh, in addition to that, there's something that God often does and He speaks through a point leader in, in, in a church, in a group of people for, for those people and, ha- and, and gives that point leader uh, some specifics or some direction, that's, but it's not for the point leader. So some of what I'm asking God to speak to me about isn't speak to me for me, it's speak to me for us for what we need, for what's next, for what, what God wants us to focus on. And, and, and that's what I'm gonna talk about this morning. And it's very uh, simply put about expanding our capacity. Because right now as Elevate Church, we have a great opportunity to, to reach more and more people. Since the start of the year, it's only April people, since the start of the year, God's been bringing more and more people here and some of you, I'm looking around, you weren't here on January 1 and you're here now and you're connected and you're excited and you're leaning in and you're asking God to, to, to do more and more in you and for you and through you and that's, and that's fantastic. Because here's the thing, when it comes to expanding our capacity as a church, there's two ways that happens. One is add more people. By adding more people, we have a, a, a greater collective capacity. And God's been doing that. The second way that God expands our capacity, and, and, and He does both of these things simultaneously, is by expanding the capacity of the people that are already here. That, that we start with this much capacity as an individual and God can grow and increase that. Because the thing with God that's great about God is that there's always more. There's always more opportunity. There's always more strength. There's always more love. There's always more power. There's always, oh, more challenges. Uh, And here's the thing. There's always more that God's calling us to. And I say that word calling very, very intentionally. There's always more that God's calling us to. When you said yes to following Jesus, whenever that happened to be, you're sitting here today, you haven't reached the finish line yet. There's always more. There's always more ahead. God's best days are always ahead. You're not done yet. It's not time to retire. It's always time to refire. There's always more. You haven't seen everything God wants to do. You haven't experienced all of God's love and all of God's power and all of God's opportunity. God's always calling us to more. But this word calling terrifies some people. Because when we talk about calling, some people, they immediately, the brain defaults to the reality for them that God's calling me to that, but there's a massive chasm right now between His calling and my limited capacity. Anyone ever felt that way? This, 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 God's asking me to write a thousand dollar check with my life, but I've only got 20 bucks in the bank. How's that gonna work? God, you're calling me to do great things, but you don't seem to have given me enough talent. It it, it seems like it's unfair. Why would you even be calling? Well, yeah, that's right. God does. If, If what God's calling you to doesn't terrify you, you're not listening hard enough. 
Because what God's calling you to, you should desperately need Him to grow your capacity. And if you don't, I don't think you're listening hard enough to God and what He's calling you to and calling us to. There's more in you. There's more to be unleashed. There's more to be unlocked. So let's look at that this morning. Let's look at how God unlocks and unleashes greater capacity. Now, if you've got our Elevate app, you can pop that open and tap the Bible tile. And it's gonna take you to, well, if you're instead of being orbiting around church world for any length of time, it's gonna take you to a story you, you may have, be familiar with, an event that took place in history that you may know something about. Don't let that be a reason to just kind of like flip open Instagram, okay? Even stories, even events, things in God's Word that you've read before, there's always something fresh that God's got for you if you're listening hard enough. So Jesus, I think it's pretty uh, appropriate to say that He's the most influential person to have ever walked the planet. Whether you believe that He was a Son of God or not, just the fact that, 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 that His life, His 33 and a half years on this planet has influenced just about every sphere of our society around the world uh, is, is remarkable. And this public time that he spent was recorded by four dudes, uh, Matthew, Mark, coolest name in the Bible, Luke and John, uh, second coolest name in the Bible because it's my middle name. And um, they recorded the, the events of Jesus' life and they recorded them as historical records, but they're not just intended to be historical records. There's meant to be, and they're intended to, 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 to have things in their principles and that, that we can actually learn from. And if we apply them to our lives, we can actually unlock and unleash more of God's capacity in our lives. And um, one of those is a story, again, that may be familiar to many of you. I want, I want to dig into that right now. So Matthew recorded this event. Jesus left and went along the Sea of Galilee. He went up on a mountainside and he sat down and great crowds came to him, bringing the lame. That means people couldn't walk, not just people who weren't very cool. Uh, bringing the lame, uh, the blind, uh, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And he laid them at his feet and Jesus healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking and the crippled made well and the lame walking and the blind seeing and they praised the God of Israel. See, right here, we see something about the true Jesus, that the true Jesus was remarkably popular. The true Jesus gathered crowds. The true Jesus had issues of crowd control. And, and, and He was doing things and that's what was, He was doing things that people had never seen before. And as a consequence, they were literally, as Mark recorded, amazed at what they were seeing. And this, this astonishment, this, this of what Jesus was doing was the backdrop for what was about to happen next. Jesus, with these crowds around, saw, called His disciples to Him and He said to them, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. And I don't want them to send them away hungry, 
or they may collapse on the way. And his disciple answered, well, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? This is a head scratcher. This is a head scratcher. The backdrop for what Jesus is talking to them about is Jesus has just caused blind people to see, mute people to be able to speak, lame people to be able to walk. Seemingly, Jesus was demonstrating that He had power over everything. And yet when it came to catering, the disciples said, but what are we supposed to do? Jesus can actually have power over everything except for food in the eyes of His disciples. Jesus, we don't have the capacity to do what You're currently calling us to do. There's a chasm. It's amazing how unobservant we can be when it comes to what Jesus actually wants to do and the resources He's given us to do them. Now, this is Matthew recording an event and actually all four of those writers recorded this event. Luke recorded this event. He also recorded another event that was remarkably similar. So here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna play a game of camera one, camera two today. Matthew's story, camera one. Luke's story, different story, very similar though. Camera two, so let's flip over to camera two. Luke, he recorded a similar story. Late in the afternoon, the 12, Jesus' 12 closest disciples, came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. Jesus replied, no, you give them something to eat. In both of these stories, and Matthew's account of the first story had the word very specifically that Jesus' motivation for not, first of all, sending the people away, but actually wanting to feed them was that He had compassion for them. And this is the starting point for expanding our capacity that we need to expand our compassion. See, we want God to give us more influence God's starting point is to actually give us more compassion. God doesn't want to give us more influence in people's lives if we don't, first of all, have compassion for people's lives. You think about it. You watch the news and read the, the news, and so do I. I don't watch the news. I read the news. Uh, we don't need any more leaders who have great influence, but very little compassion, do we? Not in politics, not in business, and not in churches. We don't need people who are growing in influence, but don't have compassion. Because the risk is that our motivation for growing influence is about getting something from people. Whereas Jesus' motivation for growing influence is to get something for people. Jesus demonstrated His power, but it was motivated by compassion for people. So my question is, who do you care about? Who do you feel compassion for? Who motivates you to pray more? 
Who motivates you to serve more? Who motivates you to give more? Who motivates you to want to increase your capacity so you can exert greater influence in their lives, not to get something from them, but to get something for them? Who is that? Here's a few life tips. Listen carefully. If you're single and your motivation for dating is to get something from the other person in a relationship, guess what? Get used to being single because it's gonna last a long, long time for you. Those of you who are married, if you're in your marriage just for what you can get out of it, there's a word for you. It's called dysfunctional. Because marriage isn't about 50-50. Marriage is about 100-100. It's about giving everything you have to the other person and, and them giving something to you return, but not because you're asking for it and you're needy, but because of unconditional love and for compassion. If your motivation for earning money is just to provide for your needs, you are living too small. Because there's more that God wants to do not just in you, but also through you. If you've ever been on social media, there's a phrase that drives people crazy. Me too, makes me angry. Some crisis happens somewhere in the world, which happens every day and, and so on and so forth. And social media lights up about this thing that happened somewhere in the world. And then some well-meaning people write this one down in the comments section. My thoughts and prayers are with you. Lights up the internet. Lights my fuse like you wouldn't believe it. My thoughts and prayers. That's it? That's all you've got? I mean, sure, start with your thoughts. Think about them, because what happened obviously is, is a problem. Pray for them and then say, God, what can I do about it? What, what can I contribute here? How can I be part of the solution beyond just typing into social media? Thoughts and prayers. I mean, the, G, the disciples, this is a classic. Crowds gathering, Jesus healing, crowds gathering, disciples. Yeah, here's their level of compassion. Hey, Jesus, send them away. <laughs> Tell them to go and figure out for themselves where to get some food. They didn't even ask Jesus to do something. They just said, do something, get rid of them. All right, 4,000, off you go, find some food, thoughts and prayers. No, Jesus' compassion caused him to act, but actually caused him to act not in a way you'd expect because not only did he not send them away, he didn't feed them either. He said to his 12, you give them something to eat. You've identified there's an issue here that needs a solution. What are you gonna do about it? Do you have enough compassion for these people to not just send them away, but to actually you do something about it? Jesus, end world hunger. Now you give them something to eat. Jesus, end world poverty. No, no, you give people some money and some training and invest in developing countries. 
Jesus, save my spouse, save my neighbour who doesn't know you. No, you pray for them. You invest into them and you invite them. And yeah, sure, I'll show up. But it's not just all on me. There's something that God wants to do through us. It starts with us increasing our compassion. And then we need to own our stuff. Because you've got some stuff, like good stuff. We use stuff in the negative stuff. That person got a lot of stuff. In a good sense, you've actually got some stuff, but you, like the disciples, may not recognize it. In Matthew's story, the next thing Jesus said to them is, how many loaves do you have? They'd say, well, there's not enough bread to feed everyone. Not enough bread to feed everyone. God, Jesus, what you're calling us to do, we don't currently have the capacity. Jesus said, uh, listen, let's put a number on it. Let's, let's work out where, where it is we're starting from. How much bread do you have? You say you don't have enough to feed everyone, what I'm calling you to do. But, so let's just start with, let's put a number on it. Let's actually identify how, how much bread do you have? See, we want to know what God's bringing to the situation. <laughs> Instead, God says, no, no, what do you bring into the situation? Huh? Uh, seven? They replied. Um, and, a, and a few small fish? <laughs> I don't know, man. You should, you should come and hang out with me for a day because when I read my Bible, I'm frigging... I'm ROTFLing all the time. I'm rolling on the floor laughing. This is hilarious. How many loaves do you have? Seven and a few small fish. That is a peculiar detail. Jesus is asking them to feed thousands. It wouldn't have even mattered if it had a few big fish. <laughs> Still would have been a problem. And by the way, fishermen aren't in the habit of underestimating the size of what they caught. But what this is, is this is actually them reflecting a mindset. They're actually telling Jesus, yeah, I'll give you a number, but you need to know, Jesus, that the number is insignificant. The number isn't enough. In fact, Jesus, are you just trying to make us feel bad? Are you just trying to remind us or highlight the fact that, that, that there's a massive chasm between what you're calling us to do and, and our capacity? No. That's not what Jesus is trying to do. He's merely trying to establish what are we working with here? What don't, not, not what don't we have, what do we have? You don't need to put the word small in there. Say this, seven and a few fish. It's a mindset that we often need to shift from about cropping ourselves out of being used by God because we, because we assume that we don't have the capacity and we never will have the capacity. Jesus says, well, we'll get to that. Let's start with identifying what do you have? Luke, in his story, guess what? Jesus replied to them, you, you give them something to eat. And they answered, we have only, see, again, we have only. It's, it, it seems like an incidental word, but it's not. Because they could have said, we have five loaves of bread and two fish, but they felt the need to say, we only. 
Jesus, it doesn't matter. We wanted you to send them away. You said no. You're saying to us, okay, you give them something to eat. What do you got? We're saying, what difference does it make? It's not enough. It's only five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus, why are you rubbing our nose in this? You know we don't have the current capacity to do what you're calling us to. You ever had that conversation in your head? Well, good news for you, you're not the first. (laughs) But the good news for you is that's not the end of the conversation unless you make it the end of the conversation. And I, I, I recommend you don't. What we need to understand is that Jesus is in the expansion business. And he wants to know what we're starting with, to know what he's got to work with, to know how much he needs to add to the mix, to take what we have and expand it in order for us to do what he's called us to do. And so we need to take what we've got, identify it, and then go all in. These disciples, having unloaded their lunchboxes and counted the bread and counted the fish, the thing they did next was critical. They gave them all to Jesus. They gave everything they had in their hands and put them in Jesus' hands. They didn't give him three loaves and one fish, just in case. Might need that for myself later. They, they handed it all over. They went all in. And Jesus took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he'd given thanks, he broke them, and he gave them the disciples, and they in turn gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. That's Mark's event, Luke's event, about 5,000 men, which would suggest there was also women and children. So uh, some people say 10,000, 14,000. Don't get bogged down in that sort of stuff when you read the Bible. The, 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 the important thing is there was a lot of people. Okay? Yeah. Three years of Bible college, you're welcome. But Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And the disciples did that and everyone sat down and the, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish that they'd given all to him and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them and then they gave them to the disciples. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They went all in. They gave every loaf and every fish and they put them in in Jesus' hands. See, we think of miracles often as events, but we need to understand that miracles almost always have a run-up there's almost always something or things that precede the miracle. In this case, those disciples needed to expand their compassion. If they hadn't expanded their compassion, they would have never given Jesus their lunch. This is my lunch. Tell those people to go away. They, they moved from tell those people to go away to, okay, Jesus, let's see what happens when we give everything to you 
for the goal of, well, at least trying to feed some of these people. They went, there, 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 was, there was a process, there was a run-up, there was a lead-up. You know, if you, in sport, if you, wanna, if you wanna kick a goal or shoot a goal or whatever the sport happens to be, don't stand down in the back line. Put yourself in position to get the ball and kick the goal. We actually need to do that. We, expanding our capacity, can put ourselves in position for Jesus to then work with us and work through us to see our calling fulfilled. Expand our compassion. Identify what we have. Go all in. And guess what? Then a miracle took place, but there was a run-up. And if that run-up hadn't have taken place, every bit of it, this miracle may not have actually happened. So while the actual feeding portion was an event, the expansion process was just that, was a process. Now, here's the thing. In your Bible... If you, if you kind of scroll up a bit or if you paper Bible, just read back up a bit, there, there, there's, there's a headline. There's a headline above each of these kind of stories. And, uh, and the headline uh, in, in Matthew's uh, story says, it's like, it's like clickbait you know, in, on, uh, on a blog, right? Jesus feeds the 4,000. Well, that's gonna get you reading. Yeah, heck yeah. And Luke's uh, headline, clickbait, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Oh, I'm gonna read that story. Yeah, fantastic. But, but, but here's the thing. Those headlines, like often clickbait headlines do, they're actually not entirely accurate because we've just looked at this story and it wasn't actually Jesus that fed the 4,000 and Jesus that fed the 5,000. It was actually the disciples. So it was their lunch, not Jesus. <laughs> and it was them that went out and handed it out, not Jesus. So technically, you could say that the headline should be disciples feed 4,000 and disciples feed 5,000. And Jesus, he just sat and watched. But here's the deal. It's a partnership. Now, it's a partnership that God gets all the glory because without Jesus there, it wouldn't happen. And Jesus brings the power that no one else can bring. But it wasn't just Jesus abracadabraing and loaves and fishes raining down from heaven. It was disciples expanding their compassion, identifying, well, we've got something. We don't think it's enough, but hey, if you want, let's see what happens. And they went all in. And when they gave what they had in their life and put it in the hands of Jesus, Jesus, He didn't actually give them back fishes and loaves. He gave them back His power. And that's the difference. The essence of Elevate Church, you'll hear us talk about this, is two words. All in. All in. And we say that very intentionally because from our perspective, it's the only appropriate response to Jesus to go all in because Jesus first went all in. He abandoned heaven. He went to the cross, the most brutal method 
that someone could be killed in his day. All in. He asked God if there was a way around. God was silent and he went, all right, I'm going all in. And he continues to go all in. And so our only appropriate response is to go all in. And as we go all in, we can trust that Jesus is in the expansion business. That Jesus, when he highlights that there is a chasm between your current capacity and what he's calling you to do, it's because he wants you to go all in and trust that he is in the expansion business. Now, I would have ended the story there. It's pretty impressive, just there, that's the story. Matthew's story, Luke's story, Jesus and the disciples fed 5,000, fed 4,000. <laughs> pretty good. As, that, as far as stories go, that, those are crackers. I mean, those are bangers. Those are, that's, yep. Well, but no, that's, that, that's, that wasn't the end of the story. So what? Yeah, I know, exactly. Well, let me tell you, this is, this is how the story went from there. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of pieces that were left over. Luke's story, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I can't drop this mic. It's not how this mic's built, but if I could, I would. Well, I wouldn't. It's probably breaking. It's expensive. But that's a mic drop moment right there because we actually don't put our lives in the hands of a God who is enough, which by the way, on some days I'd settle for that. I'd be like, God, I just need you to get me through this thing. Just survival is a goal of mine today. And if you can get me through this day, I'm like, yep, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, okay, cool. But don't limit ourselves to that because what we see in this story is we don't follow a God who's enough. We follow a God and we put our trust in and our faith in and we go all in with a God who's actually more than enough. He doesn't rip the handbrake on when He gets to enough. He powers right past enough and brings in more than enough. See, abundance isn't something that God does. It's actually the essence and the character and the very nature of who He is. He didn't know anything different. Generosity isn't something God does. It's something God is. See, (laughs) this is a game changer. Some of us live shrunk-wrapped lives because we're, fe- we're fearful that God isn't even enough or going to be enough. And, and yet we could blow right past enough, knowing that not only is God enough, He's more than enough. He wants to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can even ask for or imagine. Don't settle for enough. I mean, don't live shrunk wrapped in the corner, but don't, don't pray prayers that, that are play it safe prayers that say, well, I'm just gonna pray for enough. God, blow my mind. That's a good prayer. Blow my mind. Blow people's minds. Expand my capacity. Do more than my ninth grade teacher said I could ever do. Do more than my dysfunctional upbringing said I should be able to achieve. Use me in ways that I can't even imagine possible. 
because you're a God who is more than enough. Capiche? By the way, we've got an Italian here. He'll tell you afterwards that Italians don't say capiche. Just stupid white Australians pretending they speak Italian. <laughs> but you get it. Hey, I wanna pray a prayer just as I finish now. And a prayer is for those of you that actually haven't started the journey following Jesus. You haven't yet put your faith in Him. And my prayer that I wanna pray is, a pr is I wanna pray for you that today's the day that you start that journey. Today's the day that you actually go all in by putting your life in Jesus' hands, putting your faith in Jesus, putting your trust in Him. If you've never done that, I know many of you have, I've done that many years ago. I said, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you with my life from this day forward. But those of you that have never actually made that decision and never prayed that prayer, right now, we're, gonna give you, we're giving you that opportunity. And all I want to do is just so I can, so I know who I'm praying for and praying with is just put your hand up and saying, Mark, that's me today. I'm gonna go all in with my life with Jesus from this day forward. Just you're good on your buddy. You can put your hand down. I'll pray for you in a moment. I'll pray from up here, but, but I, I got you. Who else? This is you. This is your next step today. Putting your life and your faith in Jesus. If you've never done that before, just quickly slip your hand up and then we'll pray. Fantastic. Well, we had one guy put his hand up. Let's all pray together. Let's, let's go all in as a church praying this prayer. Because here's the thing. When someone says yes to following Jesus, Jesus, Jesus isn't about making bad people good. He's about making dead people alive. He's about taking people who don't have a relationship with him and into having an unconditional relationship with him. It's the greatest miracle. Blows the catering miracles away by a factor of infinity. And we've had someone make that decision today. So think about that when you're praying with them. And that, that gentleman who raised his hand, how about you say these words, but we're all gonna say these words after me. Dear Jesus, today I decide to go all in with my life. I place my trust in you. I place my faith in you. I thank you for forgiving me, for giving me a brand new start. And I commit from this day forward to follow you with everything I have. And I'm excited that my best days are ahead, that you're gonna continue to expand my capacity. In Jesus' Name, Amen. And everyone went nut bar.